0: This episode of Juice Guru Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy.
1: Welcome welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Brusak.
0: Well, hello, welcome to the show. We've got Dr. Joel Furman here, board-certified family physician, nutritional researcher, and six-time New York Times best-selling author, He's going to tell us all about food addiction. So grab a water, some tea, or juice. We'll be back right after this with Dr. Joel Furman. Did you
1: know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at JuiceCoachTraining.com
0: Juice Guru Radio and welcome back to the show. He's the Juice Guru Medical Advisor, and who is better to fill that role? He's Dr. Joel Furman. like I said, 6 times best-selling author, uh, numerous research articles, published in medical journals. Uh, he's on the faculty of Northern Arizona University Health Science Division. His two most recent books are Eat to Live Quick and Easy Cookbook and Fast Food Genocide, both amazing books. All of his books are amazing. Let's welcome to the show right now, Dr. Joel Furman. Hi, Steve. Oh, Dr. Furman, always keeping busy, I guess. (laughs) I'm either busy working
1: or I'm busy having fun, one of the two.
0: Yeah, well, maybe a combination. And what a message you're giving, what a gift to the world. So I just, I want to dive right into it because people need to really hear about your teachings because there's a lot of dogma about diet and you have to eat this way, you have to eat that way, or what's the best way to eat, and there's a lot of scams out there. So, let's set the record straight because I think you really have it dialed in with the nutritarian diet. Can you talk about that and how it differs from plant diets or raw diets or paleo diets?
1: Of course. Because the, you know, we're looking here about what are all the factors that make a person live longer, not just part of it. What are every nuance of things you could tweak to maximize the slow aging and maximize human longevity? And that's what a nutritarian diet is. But we use the foundational principle, which is that the most proven methodology to slow aging and extend human lifespan is moderate caloric restriction in an environment of micronutrient excellence. I can repeat that over and over again. I want people to write it down, to memorize it. I'll say it one more time. Moderate caloric restriction in an environment of micronutrient excellence that means you, that diets don't work if you don't focus on the quality of what you eat. You can't just try to willy-nilly cut back on quantity because if you're not taking insufficient nutrients, you're going to develop unrelenting food cravings and a desire to overeat food. Once your body is flooded with the right amount of antioxidants and phytochemicals and, and that are found in colorful plants – your body is, has an anti-inflammatory response. Its immune system has functioned better. You don't have a buildup of metabolic and toxic waste products, and you're going to be so much more comfortable eating less food. So even though I'm saying that we should focus on eating high-nutrient plant foods, as in the, I'm also saying that... And and eat a little less calories. I'm also saying that as you eat higher nutrient foods, and as you eat a lot of these high nutrient plant foods, it naturally suppresses the appetite, so you're comfortable eating less calories. And also these high nutrient plant foods have a negative, to some degree, have a negative calorie effect, which automatically make you moderately caloric restricted. In other words, take if you eat beans, for example. Let's say it says 200 calories a cup on the beans. And you're you're digesting the beans and you're feeding in one calorie per minute very slowly so you don't get a high glycemic or insulin response to make you gain weight. Well, a large percent of that carbohydrate calorie in the bean, probably in the area of 10 or 15%, is resistant starch, which means the calories are not absorbed into the body. They pass through into the toilet bowl so that you felt like you ate 200 calories you did eat 200 calories, it suppressed your appetite, it turned down your apostat by 200 calories, but you only got about 180 in. So you're actually moderately caloric restricted without even trying because you didn't feel like eating more calories. You take nuts and seeds, for example, 175 calories an ounce. You feel like you ate 175 calories. It ratcheted down the apostat because it came in at about one calorie per minute. You didn't feel like eating. You reduce your appetite by 170 calories, but because the sterols and stanols bind fat so tightly, they carry the calories, the fat calories, out into the toilet bowl. They don't all get absorbed, so it automatically causes moderate caloric restriction. The same thing when you eat... So we're talking about here that the best diet designed for longevity also helps people favorably maintain their perfect and ideal weight for the rest of their life because their, their portfolio, their choice of foods, that portfolio of foods they eat each day is maximizing satisfying them and making, them not ex- making it difficult for them to exceed their caloric requirements and make co- makes them feel comfortable and satisfied with less calories.
0: Makes sense. And really, and I, that's great. I never even heard of it that way but it makes sense. We don't even think of it. So food addiction, let's talk about food addiction. What's going on with that. Are most people addicted to food and let's talk about the foods that are available. You know, it's fast food and people are running and they're in the right. They, they're sad. Well, they say, Dr. Furman, I don't have time to eat that way. Well, so let's start about. So the question is, Chris, right with a style back, what, is there a problem with food addiction and how do we define that?
1: Most people in America are overweight today, and most people in America, most overweight people, the vast majority, are food addicted. I'd say the vast majority of people have food addiction driving their overconsumption of calories. Many people who are 10 to 100 pounds overweight recognize it's not great to be overweight and would like to be thinner, but they can't do it. Why can't they just eat less and eat better? They can't because they try, and it's too uncomfortable, and it's too difficult for them emotionally because they're food addicts. You know, so of course they're food addicts. Otherwise, they'd have no problem losing weight and eating healthier. So the, the addictive nature of the, so the more the food is processed and the unhealthier the food is, the higher its addiction potential. So when you eat fast food and processed foods and commercial baked goods and sweets, you, those foods are designed to make you into a food addict. And they're very addicting. And they have people who can't control their caloric intake. Now, there are multiple mechanisms via which food is addicting, which we can talk about. Um, One is the fact that we started to breach on a little bit, that when you take in processed foods that don't have a significant micronutrient load, that means that most Americans are ubiquitously deficient in vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and phytochemicals. When we don't take in enough micronutrients in our diet, then we build up toxins like free radicals, ammonia, urea, uric acid. We build up advanced glycation end products. We build up things that age us and cause disease when we don't take insufficient nutrients. And the body most effectively tries to repair and remove toxic waste products when you're not digesting food. When digestion has completed itself, then the body most effectively can try to repair from the damage and from the retention of toxic waste products. So what I'm saying right now is one very powerful component that drives overeating is that when people finish digesting their meal and they're no longer having calories come into the body, then in the detox process and repair process starts, they start to feel so poorly. They feel weak and fatigued and shaky and stomach cramping and headache and irritable and anxious. And they have to eat calories to stop the detox because detox is uncomfortable. It's like when you're coming off 10 packs of cigarettes or 10 cigarettes a day and you stop the cigarettes, you feel bad. You smoke, you feel better. Smoking stops the detox. When you're using cocaine, you stop the cocaine, you feel bad. If you retake the heroin the drug, opiates, the medical, you feel better again. You have withdrawal pain from the toxicity, and you have withdrawal pain from the toxicity of a poor diet, and it makes people want to stop that pain or discomfort by continuing to put calories in their mouth and eating all the time, driving overeating behavior. And that's probably the main mechanisms via which people are chronically forced to overeat calories. So what of course, I'm saying, unless you start to, you have to recognize you're going to feel bad for a few days, maybe even a whole week. And you have to recognize that you have to eat healthfully for these, poor, these symptoms of detox to end. And just like with caffeine withdrawal and cigarette and opiate withdrawal, eventually these symptoms end and you'll be now better attuned and better comfortable eating less if you can get over that. Now, the other issue here is that when we take in calories that are rapidly digested, like oil, which flood the bloodstream in three to five minutes, and they a huge spike of calories in the blood, or you've taken something like a high glycemic carbohydrate, like sugar or honey and maple syrup. They flood the calories within minutes with a lot of glucose.
0: The flood of calories... And you and you the- mentioned honey and maple syrup there. I mean, those, you'll see those on lists of all oh, those. These are better alternatives than white sugar. You can have some raw honey, and I've even heard grade B maple syrup is okay because of the minerals in there. But that's the same kind of issue, isn't it?
1: It's the same issue because their glycemic load is the same. It floods the body with a high degree of calories. It's like comparing you know, natural sea salts to regular table salt and people saying the mineral content in sea salt makes it okay, which is just ridiculously um, illogical. The amount of mineral content is not even is so small, and it doesn't change the amount of sodium the body is exposed to. There's all types of myths and irrational, mm. self-delusional uh, myths um, imp- people have. Opinions people have to try to excuse themselves for wanting to pour sweetener on their food and pour salt on their food and pour oil on their food. You know, oil is 120 calories per tablespoon. People are trying to say that coconut oil, olive oil, flax oil, this oil, that oil is good for you. It's never good for you to take cure, to take concentrated calories and pour them right into your bloodstream. That's going to absorb so You're never going to burn them off.
0: And I can't I mean, understand why this isn't the information that's being taught in nutrition schools because I see these health coaches out there talking about putting uh, butter in coffee, having, you know, uh, bone broth. You know, that's the big thing, too. And, and I've seen people eating, um, you know, more plant foods and then saying, yeah, I've got to get the bone broth in me because it wasn't really working out. What do you think about all that? Do you think there's any role for those, those uh, fads?
1: Well, there's a lot of fads will come and go, and people are always looking for, like, magical answers. They don't like the answer that, you know, we've already landed the man on the moon, in other words. We know how to prevent heart disease, strokes, and dementia already. We know that it's about eating green vegetables, that vegetables prevent these diseases. And we know that the G-bombs, G-B-O-M-B-S, greens and beans and onions and mushrooms and berries and seeds and nuts, we know those foods extend you in lifespan and prevent against cancer and heart attacks and strokes and dementia already but people don't like the answer they don't like that they have to eat more vegetables they're looking for you know those people want to smoke three packs a day right and take a magic pill not to get lung cancer they don't want to quit smoking people don't want to give up their their oils and their sweets and their animal products and their junk food they're looking for a magic pill you know a magic liquid a bone broth, bone broth you know it's just it's just um water with some minerals in it you get tw- you know, 10 times as many minerals in the vegetable soup, but what's the- those little minerals are going to make a difference, and the collagen is broken down into protein anyway. So it's just, a- it's just mostly water. But it's true that drinking warm water and with the little minerals in it may be better for them than drink- drinking a sweet drink like a soda, and taking in a warm water with some minerals in it may be um, a way they can stop eating as many calories. It's nothing magical about bone water. It's just hot water. Uh, vegetable broth would do the same thing. So the people level, you know what it is that when you're a food addict, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. You'll try to believe anything that justifies the continuation of your addictive substance of choice. So the food addict is looking to hear that butter and meat is okay. They're looking for any type of, you know, crazy excuse. But the the bottom line is we always give credence to studies that look at many thousands of people, track them for decades, and look at hard endpoint like death. And when we do that, We always see that, for example, diets higher in green vegetables protect against all these diseases, and that diets with lower amounts of nuts and seeds compared to higher amounts are not as protective. Let me say that one more time. In the Adventist Health Study 2, came out in March of 2018, it showed that people with just a small amount of nuts and seeds in their diets, such as less than a half an ounce a day compared to those taking in, you know, an ounce to two each day, had a 40% 30, 40% lower risk of cardiovascular deaths and a 27% overall um, risk of death for lower amounts of nuts and seeds compared to higher. And that's been shown in the nurse's health study, in the physician's health study, in the Iowa woman's health study. In the, you know, So we're talking about any long-term study tracking the intake of nuts and seeds so it needs to longer lifespan and reduce risk of death. Any study tracking vegetables, mushrooms, onions shows the same thing. And any long-term study going on for more than, more than a decade or two, you know, tracking many thousands of people show that as you ratchet up animal products in the diet, animal protein, you increase risk of death. So whether it's paleo or ketogenic, we know that low carbohydrate diets where you're carbohydrate restricting to get into more ketosis with more oil and more protein, increases risk of death in every long-term study you're looking at heart endpoints right so you'll get, skinny, for del- you'll get del- skinny but you'll die right so when we can we can show in the short term in a year or two you can give people twinkies a twinkie diet or a cookie diet <laughs> it might show some benefits because they eat so little calories they're sick of just eating one food but, are you, but a person following for 20 years eating twinkies is going to be dead so we so we always just have to justify um studies with long-term hard endpoint studies to see if what we're looking at is, is real
0: Now, if I had that right, did you say? But you can also overdo it on the nuts and seeds. Seeds is that was that the point of that one study that they were they were taking too many nuts and seeds and it led to problems. And there's is that what was? But maybe I heard it wrong.
1: You heard it wrong. That's not what I said. Let me just let me make sure that's clear. I'm saying that in the Adventist Health Study two was very clear. See, in Adventist Health Study one, published in 2001, we showed that those vegans who ate nuts and seeds lived much longer than vegans who did not regularly eat nuts and seeds. That okay. was in Health Study One. And then we found that even the people who ate animal products plus nuts and seeds lived longer than vegans who did not eat nuts and seeds. You need the fat and the other you know, nutrients, nuts and seeds, to maximize the absorption of the phytochemicals and the antioxidants to prevent cancer. And there's a lot of beneficial effects of using those that as your source of fat. So we know that now. The Adventist Health Study 2018 they tracked the amount of nuts and seeds people ate, and they found that people with low amounts, i averaging let's say a quarter to a half an ounce a day, had a 40% increased risk of cardiovascular death compete compared to people eating larger amounts, the larger amounts of nuts and seeds one to two ounces a day had a dramatic effect at extending human lifespan and preventing both cardiovascular deaths and cancer deaths. Are you, are you getting
0: that? Yeah, thank you. I'm sure it was just me. So I'm going to listen back to this and say, Oh yeah, it was just me. So phenomenal. And this is the information. This is the stuff they don't want you to hear. And it's so important that people learn this. And, we, and we're just about the science here, Dr. Furman. Let's talk about the lives you're saving. I mean, I've seen the diseases being re- prevented, reversed, the, the weight coming off. I mean, all the amazing success stories. Let's talk about some of the benefits to this. Cause I mean, it's not just, yeah, try this. You'll live longer. I mean, I know, right. I know this works. So can you, can you talk more about that?
1: That's right. Therapeutically, a a nutritarian diet designed to maximize lifespan is most effective at reversing disease, too. And we're talking about, you know, having the type 2 diabetics, the overweight diabetics become non-diabetic relatively quickly because the medication they, they're taking could, it could damage them so badly and getting off your blood pressure medications and your statin drugs, because those are damaging their cancer causing drugs. You want to get off them right away to get your blood pressure normalized. And plus the use of drugs can push your diastolic too low, increasing risk of developing a er- dangerous cardiac arrhythmia. So that people don't recognize how dangerous using met- conventional medical care and the drugs are. And the, tr- and the point is if people knew that, many millions more people would adopt this program to get well and completely resolve themselves with medical problems because you're not protected against heart disease and strokes by taking drugs. You're protected when you have a normal blood pressure and a normal cholesterol without drugs. And then the autoimmune disease, the lupus, the multiple sclerosis, the asthma, the fibromyalgia, the, the watching these people make miraculous recoveries is the most joyous and rewarding part of my life. You know, I love lecturing and speaking and motivating people to eat healthier, but when you're dealing with people who have medical conditions and are suffering and you're in, able to enable them to get well again and have a normal life. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And that's why, you know, I love doing it. A lot of doctors get into this field. And you know what? It's probably why doctors want to become doctors to begin with, right? But then they go to, then they, then they start prescribing medications. And what that happens is they see people coming into their office getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and they have no tools to get these people well and they lose their enthusiasm about their jobs because they're not able to really help people like they as much as they thought when they first decided to become a physician,
0: you know? Amazing. So for those that are saying, okay, you know, maybe I should give this a try. Let's talk about how we can start doing this. I know you've got retreats going on in Florida, uh, not in, not Florida, in San Diego, in my neck of the woods. And let's talk about how we could start moving towards this because that's, you know, like any drug addict, you know, there's that, how do we, how do we start doing this? Like, it sounds good, but what's the first step, the first few steps?
1: Well, you know, I, I make it very easy for people and I, you know, I give them everything they need to, to remove the obstacles. And so, you know, I, they start by reading a book, like a good book with a person who's overweight and food addiction tendencies or emotional overeating. I wrote a book specifically for them called The End of Dieting. They should read that book, The End of Dieting. I have incredible recipes on my website, incredible recipe books like the Eat to Live Cookbook. Now, the End of Dieting, The Eat With Cookbook is a great combination of those two books to get started. If you have an autoimmune condition, you should read Immunity or early stage cancer. But the point is, is that, or if you have heart disease, you should read The End of Diet, Heart Disease and Diabetes, The End of Diabetes. I have a lot of books out there. But a good basic book, again, just for the overweight person to get started is The End of Dieting. So what I'm saying right now is that People join my website they, and they could join and can speak to other people, have a community of support. They can read more information there. They can ask me questions and get direct advice from myself and my medical staff in the Ask the Doctor forum there. I want to give people all to t- make the tools available to make sure they can't fail. And you mentioned my e to Live retreat because I do run vacations, but the e to Live retreat in San Diego, you know, because it is so critical and so important for those people who need it, because many people have such severe food addictions and are seriously ill, and they, they have trouble, they can't do this on their own. Their addictions, their home environment, their food addictions are tough on them, and I, they, they really need to, t- to guarantee they're gonna make a complete recovery. And they come into my facility for eight to 12 weeks, it takes time to get rid of addictions. It takes time to retrain the taste buds. It takes time just when a person goes in with a drug addiction. They just don't, don't stop craving cocaine after a week of being off it. They not require you know 12 weeks of being off cocaine to not crave it anymore. And we take these people in and we get them to stop the craving of their fast foods and their processed foods, and, and we show them how to make the healthy food taste great. And they learn the science, and they get the emotional counseling and the therapy they need to overcome their, pro- their, their problems. We set them free. Not just 50 pounds later without the blood pressure and the, and the asthma, but we set them free with as a new mental outlook on life and with the ability now to stick with this program and enjoy it and be the way they prefer to eat as they leave. So a perfect example is, uh, is a woman named Nicole Cruz who stayed for three months in our facility. She lost 50 pounds, but the year after she left, she lost 150 pounds more. So the point I'm making is she never could have kind a way into like a health retreat for a week or two and then continue to continue the process of healing and lose 150 more pounds unless she really stayed the time and got this exposure. So I feel like um, this program is so necessary and it enables me to, to transform people's lives in a way that's so, that's so um, satisfying for them and for me and important, important for their life.
0: And the website is uh, com, And I've got a link to that up at juice crew radio Uh, Under the show notes, you'll be able to click right on that and find out more about talking to the doctors and getting more information and going live. I mean, that's a real tune-up and a kickstart, isn't it? Like getting out there, and what better way to to immerse yourself into the it's almost like Nutritarian world. That's right. I mean, when you come because you're there, and we have a great chef, and we've got you know, and I'm I'm
1: seeing them personally. Then I'm you know, motivating, teaching them, and we have you know. um,
0: Therapists working with them, and they're just, and they're getting just an incredible environment. And And so, you got the do yourself programs. You got all those cookbooks, right? Because the the Eat to Live cookbook and all the other cookbooks you've got, the Quick and Easy, which I love. I love the Quick and Easy. Um, Makes it so you could just do it and get started right in your own kitchen, right?
1: Right, right, sure. Of course, we want people to be able to do this all across the country, and we don't expect most people to be able to be able to take two or three months off from work. Of course, we want it, I want to give people the tools to make this easy for them. I even have salad dressings and sauces to make it easy for them. You know, so we want to make it simple for people. But if they can't do it, and if they're so troubled and they're so ill, at least they know there's not. You know, so I have all the pieces put together to make sure I can make sure if anybody really wants to get well. Get rid of their heart disease, not have angioplasty or bypass surgery, not have you know, bi- um, you know, gastric bypass, not, you know, get rid of their asthma, get off their drugs, get rid of their diabetes, become non-diabetic. People who really want to get well, make it so there's no chance that they can fail, they guarantee their success. Mm. So, so there's just no excuse anymore. They, you know, people have to get well.
0: I have so many friends and family I want to send there. Uh, Dr. Furman, this is phenomenal work, always elevating and going to the next level and getting it out. And thank you for that. We'll take a few questions from the studio audience in a minute. If there are any questions, go ahead and type them in the box, and I'll go ahead and get it on. Or if you want to come on live on video here, uh, just let me know. Put in the chat box, yes, Steve, I'll come on live with you guys. And and you guys are always welcome. You're behind the scenes with us, and we'd love to have you here. Um, but Dr. Furman, let's just talk about one thing. What are some of the other reasons that people are going to be resistant to this? Like, why is it like to me, everyone should be doing this. You know, my dad had the heart attack and thank, I'm so thankful to you and your book that I got from on the heart disease and he started reading it and you know, he makes some changes, but he won't go full throttle, even though I know it's going to save his life. And that's frustrating for me and all of us that all of our friends and family won't wake up to the message of what you're giving that we know works.
1: It's right. It shows the addictive nature of food. If you had a father a daughter or a son who was a heroin addict destroying their life, we would probably like to put them into – we wouldn't let them out of our sight. I'd have them in my room 24 hours a day sleeping with me, working with me. I'd never let them out of my sight. I'd make sure they got off their addiction. No matter what, I'd save their life, right? Wouldn't you? Like You'd make sure there's no chance they could blow it. People don't are underestimating the addictive nature of some of these foods because people would rather continue eating the foods. They'd rather die. They'd rather continue their addictions than die. You know, we have to make sure they quit. This is just, you know, it's that these commercial baked goods and fast foods are linked to depression, but they cause withdrawal depression. And the withdrawal depression, it's not true depression. It's like a dysthymic syndrome which means it lowers your emotions, it lowers your intellect and your creativity and your will to do anything positive about your life. You just, you just accept your present circumstances. The food makes you accepting of your lousy life you have and your unwillingness to change things for the better because it suppresses your emotions and your willingness to change. So what I'm saying is the, the, the drug-like effects of these foods change people's emotions their intelligence, their ability to think logically and creativity, it destroys their productivity and their ability to be happiness. They're not the same person emotionally. They're not able to achieve to be the full person they can be: a better father, a better husband, a better worker, a more a better creative and you know, they're they're not the full you, so it depresses people physically and intellectually and emotionally. And and that emotional deprivation or the emotional depression that occurs to people, it interferes with their ability to, to them escape from their present circumstances. So your father, who has heart disease, who can't effectively enjoy his life, who's losing his memory, who's losing his physical and intellectual capacity, doesn't know what to do. He can't change. And the, so you've got to change it. We've got to supply him with the right environment to make that possible for him because the food continues to keep him in prison. The food's keeping in a painful prison with a poor future ahead of him because of, because this is the nature of these Frankenfoods that are defined to, that have been designed to addict people.
0: I think we need a, a nationwide or worldwide intervention. Right, it starts with the intervention, calling everyone on it, waking up to the awareness, detoxing. I know you've got at home at home detox programs, and the last thing, and I see this, a couple questions came in about intermittent fasting this idea of you know overfed undernourished is is the intermittent fasting you know eating between the hours of noon and 6 or something like that is that the best way for us to maintain a nutritarian diet like would you say that's the ideal something we should strive for
1: no not quite let me explain when you it's better if you go to sleep on an empty stomach So it's better that your caloric consuming window is earlier in the day. And if you really want to, so your biggest fasting time is overnight when you're sleeping. So it's better to finish dinner by four or five and have the big gap between five o'clock when you go to bed at 10 and you have a five hour fasting window and then you sleep for seven hours. You have a 13 to 15 hour window of no food coming in rather than eat later and then have the big fasting gap in the morning and don't eat breakfast from eight to 12. So um, so yeah, it's better to eat in a narrow window, but I prefer people to eat their window earlier in the day and try to have at least three to four hours before going to bed at night, trying to get their dinner done early, because that's been shown to have the best effect on the nocturnal hormones and the, and the, and the, the um, insulin secretion and the glucose curves and lifespan enhancing. So yes, it's a, an extra, let's just, you should say advanced component, to slow aging and to increase the results of the diet you're following is by consuming your calories earlier in the day within a six to eight hour window and going to bed on an empty stomach with a longer period of fasting at night.
0: Great. I also loved your fasting book too. And Dr. Joel furman has got a great book on water fasting. If you're looking at going even deeper, but that's something you probably need supervision depending where you are. Um, now, let me see. I had a couple more questions here in the group before we close out the radio show and to our friends on Facebook. And is that okay, Dr. Furman? A couple more questions from the studio audience here? Yes, I'm
1: fine. We can do that, sure.
0: Anyone want to come on and ask live? If not, we can just, I can just read them. But if you want to come on live, just say yeah. Just say yes in the box. If not, I'll read them. Okay. Well, I guess not. That's okay. I'll read them. Um, Diane asked uh, the best book to start with, and I know you'd mentioned The End of Dieting as being the best book to start with. Any others that we might want to uh, grab? Because she's saying, yeah, best books.
1: Yeah, the best book to start with is The End of Dieting. It's a great introduction because it really gets people the right mindset and emotional outlook with food to have them start eating eating correctly. And then
0: where would you go from there? What if Diane's going to go or someone else, they're going to go on Amazon right now or they're going to buy four of your books? Four,
1: four of and six. It depends on, of course, you know, what, they're, um, you know, what kind of issues they have. If they have heart disease or diabetes, they would buy the end of heart disease during the diabetes. But if, they do, if they're just overweight and, and, and need to be helped and eating right, they should have the end of dieting and the Eat to Live cookbook and superimmunity. So those are the three basic books the end of dieting, the Eat to Live cookbook, and superimmunity. If they have diabetes, get the end of diabetes. If heart disease and high blood pressure, get the end of heart disease. And then the other books, of course, can add to that, like the Eat to a Quick and Easy Cookbook or the 10 and 20 Menu right. and
0: all. I was like, what am I saying? You have way more than six books. You have six New York Times best selling books. But, right. I, but you've got two, and the two cookbooks, right? There's two different cookbooks.
1: I have two cookbooks, the Eat to Live Cook and the Eat to Live Quick and Easy Cook, but I also have those little 10 and 20s that give you the recipes and menus to lose 10 pounds in 20 days, one for reversing high blood pressure, one for diabetes, and one for just losing weight. So people say, well, I got a book, but now I want like just give me three weeks of menus and rest and shopping lists and recipes, and we, we put those together too into books or booklets for people to have as well. And also have, have menu plans and recipes, but this extends it. So it takes the, you know, the, it goes further and gives them more recipes and menu plans. Well,
0: I'm such a fan. I have all of them, but the, the other one I really like is the, um, the index, the food index one. Is that still available? The nutritarian uh,
1: yeah, it's food guide and, and food scoring guide. Yeah, that's still available. It's a small little booklet. And I also have the, a, a, like a magazine called hundred best food magazines, which people like to have on their coffee table and read, read about all those foods too. Yes, so with, with these, you can get to see
0: the foods are rated, so you find out what are the most most nutrient-dense foods. So it's, it's all at your fingertips. Diane, thank you for that question. That's a really good one. Uh, let me see. Just a couple more came in here. Could this diet uh, – Denise, could this diet help restore autoimmune respiratory damage uh, such as sarcoidosis?
1: Right, and that's what I was saying is the most exciting part is all the people that have recovered from autoimmune conditions, including lupus – scleroderma, Sjogren's syndrome, sarcoidosis, a lot of people made improvements from, even things like fibromyalgia, and, and even asthmatics get pot totally well. So it's really watching these people make recoveries. A good example is Venus Williams, who was off the tennis tour with Sjogren's um, with syndrome, who switched to an autoimmune and a nutritarian type diet and made a complete recovery and back playing tennis again, or so many famous athletes. Do you think that would be front page news and people know about that, but right? it's, I, it's on my website I have one story, one case history after another of people who've made reco- complete recoveries from autoimmune hepatitis and psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, so there's so many people, multiple sclerosis so many people made it from MS and so we're saying that they go to a regular physician who gives them drugs that cause cancer for the rest of their life and these people suffer from taking poisonous drugs or they could change their diet and make it a complete healthy, and have their whole life be changed for the better. It's a called a no-brainer.
0: Thank you for that. And finally, I'm new to the nutritarium term. Uh, does it mean eating only the foods that have dense nutrients? Is that right? Um, it
1: means eating foods that are the healthiest for you and trying to remove processed foods and, and foods that are not favorable to your health. But I'm, I'm hesitating because let's take mushrooms, for example. Mushrooms are a particularly powerful food that I want people to eat, but they don't have the highest amount of nutrients in them. They're not the highest in vitamins and minerals, but they contain, for example, these phytochemicals like antigen-binding lectins. They contain um, aromatase inhibitors. They contain angiogenesis inhibitors. There are certain phytochemicals in mushrooms that prevent cancer and extend life. And so they're, they're very um, beneficial in spite of not having the highest level of nutrients. So it's not just about the highest level of nutrients, it's about what, how health promoting that food is. And when you eat a lot of foods like, you know, eggplant, mushrooms, cauliflower, tomatoes, artichokes, zucchini, string beans, and green vegetables, it's not all about eating only the highest nutrient foods, it's eating the foods of course that, you know, that reduce the apostat, that make you that fill you up, that, that make, that are calorically favorable. And of course have those micronutrients that we need as humans
0: to live a long life. Well, Dr. Furman, thank you for such an in-depth, awesome interview as always. Uh, before we close out, anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't touch on or a final message on how we can get inspired to jump on the nutritarian bandwagon, let go of the dogma of diet of saying, uh, well, you have to eat this way, that way, or that try this. Cause we know it works. It's working for so many people. Anything to say in closing before we uh, end the show here?
1: Yes, that when we study each of these foods individually, like mushrooms or like flax seeds, we find that each one of them has incredible power to prevent cancer and make cancer patients live longer, like in breast cancer. But we put the portfolio together in a vegetarian diet of all these foods with proven anti-cancer and longevity benefits. They work synergistically to magnify the effects. So even though you may see a 71% decreased risk of breast cancer deaths in people eating flax seeds in a study. When you, the effects are even magnified when eating the green cruciferous, the berries, the flax seeds and the mushrooms and the scallion or onion with it. So when you have all the right foods with it, then the effects are incredible. And we have the nutritional science is now developed to win the war on cancer and people should be taking advantage of the science. It's just too compelling and too effective for people not to know about this.
0: He's Dr. Joel Furman, again, the website www.drfurman.com. Dr. Furman, thank you again. An honor. And um, thank you for all the work you're doing.
1: My pleasure. Best of health to you, of course, and all your listeners.
0: Looking forward to doing this again. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juicegururadio.com.
0: Until next time, get your juice on.